You know, I think one of the coolest things about Jesus is that he'd always often teach in stories. And I love stories, and this is actually one of my favorite stories that he told in the scriptures. In the scriptures, they call these stories, these teaching stories, parables. And the particular one that we just heard read is actually a parable of contrast. You see, what God is saying here is God is not like the judge, right? Who wouldn't give in, who wouldn't give in until he's worn down and beat to the pole by the persistence of this, this elderly widow, right? In fact, this is one of just so many parables that Jesus told that right after it, he tells us why it is that he told it in the first place. And it says in the very next verse, he says this, Then Jesus told the disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. And to be honest, that's what Jesus wants to share with us this morning. That we should keep on praying. We should pray, 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 and keep on praying. And never give up in life. One of the reasons is because it connects us with the most amazing power in the universe. One of the the other reasons is because it's something that God hears and answers so many times. One of the reasons is because it connects us with God, and so He continues to call out to us saying, pray, pray, and keep on praying. But in this story, we have essentially two characters, if you kind of look at it. We have a powerful judge, and we have a powerless widow. In verse 2, we get a description of the judge, right? It says, he is a, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. In other words, he didn't give a hoot about man or about God, about their issues, about their complaints, about his family issues. He just cared about the law. He only cared about the law. Just the facts, ma'am. Don't get into any stories. I just want to know what it is to know. Plenty of Hollywood characters that kind of fit the bill. He only cares about the law. He was hard-boiled, unsympathetic, and callous in seemingly every way. And then along comes this widow in distress in verse 3. It says there this was a widow in the town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. And we don't know what her problem was, but we do know that she was a widow and that she had absolutely no rights. See, during this time in history, especially in Israel, if you were a woman, you didn't have any rights. And if you were a widow, you had less than no rights. See, your status in, in the community, your, any rights that you had were connected to the husband you married and kind of standing he had. Or maybe if you had money, there was a certain amount of rights that you could purchase. But in most cases, if you were a widow, you had no rights at all. You were bo- at the bottom of the social ladder. There was no one to speak up for you, unless a family member would. And even then... The word actually for widow in Greek literally means forsaken or left empty. It's a bad situation to be in, which is why Paul in the New Testament encourages us to take care of widows and orphans in the church. But we also learn that this woman was no pushover. She had a problem, so she goes to this hard-boiled judge and she keeps on asking him the same question and over and over and over and over and over and over. And all of a sudden, a battle of wills ensues. In verses 4 and 5, it says, For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this woman keeps coming to me over and over and over, I see that she gets justice. And I can just imagine the disciples are getting a little bit of a kick out of this, finding a little bit of humor in this particular story of Jesus. This prestigious judge is being worn down by this little old lady. She had no weapon but her persistence, but boy, did she keep coming. She kept going back. She becomes a nuisance, badgering him, talking to him, asking the same question over and over and over. And finally, he meets his match and he gives in. He says, because she keeps bothering me, I'll see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with all her coming. She keeps asking and asking. And finally, for peace and quiet's sake, he says, enough, mercy, 
I'll give you what you want. I share all that in this way to ask you this. Is this what God's saying to us? That we should treat God like the judge in this story? Kind of wear him down with our prayers? You know, just keep going until he cries out for, for peace and mercy's sake. For quiet's sake, I'll give you what you want. I think we would love that if that were true. Kind of like the coin in the vending machine. If we just are persistent enough, he'll have to cave, you know. We forget that he's a loving father and... So sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says wait, because he loves us and cares for us and wants our good. Do we just keep praying until God says mercy for peace and quiet just to get you off my back? I'll say no. And the answer, obviously, is that's not the God we worship. See, this is a comparison by contrast. And what he's saying is this. If this heartless judge will give you help, how much more will a God who loves you and cares for you beyond all measure Give you that same help and more. In verse 7 it says, Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, no. He will see that they get justice and justice quickly. See, the point of this story is that God, because of Jesus, and that's what, again, makes Easter such an amazing thing. See, when Jesus rose again from the dead, what he did is he proclaimed victory over sin, death, and the devil. He reconciled that relationship that was broken between us and God. And now when God looks at us, he sees us as perfect. I love the Jesus goggle analogy. You guys are all messed up. Ugh, you know, and he puts on the Jesus goggles and you guys are amazing. He's perfect in every way. And so when he looks at us, he sees us as perfect. When he looks at us, he sees that his, that relationship that was once broken is now fixed. He calls us to look at him because of Jesus as a loving father who cares and knows and understands our needs. And so we have a God because of Jesus that is saying to us this morning that I am eager to answer your prayers. And so you don't have to beg. You don't have to borrow, gripe, complain, pester. He's just saying, I'm not like that judge. I'm eager to answer your prayers. So the question then comes up, if that is true, then why is in the world do I have to be persistent? Can I just ask him once? Or why aren't my prayers coming and, and being answered immediately? And if they're not being answered immediately, is that a no? I mean, why do I keep on praying and praying and praying and praying if I've already asked once and he hasn't answered? I think those are great questions. I think they set up an awesome discussion for this morning because I think as you begin to read through Scripture, you'll find that God gives us four reasons why we should keep on praying. We should keep on keeping on. Four reasons. He says persistent prayer is, is an amazing help for us personally. And one of the first things I think we find as we go through Scripture is that persistent praying helps us focus on God. I know initially you hear that and you're thinking, well, okay. But let me just ask you this. Have you ever put God in the rearview mirror in your life? You know, you're going and you're doing all these different things. And you know God's back there, but it's kind of like one of those peanut shows where you hear the kind of talking like, wah, 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 wah. You know, you just can't quite make out what he's saying. You know he's there, but, but you're still, you're, you're fighting all these battles over there. You're trying to control the situations all by yourself. You're trying to come up with the solutions by yourself. You're dealing with life as yourself. You're doing what you want. And you keep hearing that, wah, 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 but you, you just keep going. God says one of the the amazing things about persistent praying is that it helps us refocus on God, which God says is important. See, persistent praying is not to remind God like the judge, right? It's he already knows what's going on. He sees our lives. He knows what your struggles are. He sees the things in life that aren't fair and he cares about your hurts. Persistent praying really is to remind us who the source is. See, God wants us to remember. He always wants us to remember that he and he alone is the source of our answered prayers. 
In Philippians 4.19 it says, And my God will meet all your needs according to His glorious riches in Jesus Christ. In other words, He just wants us to see Him more and more as the source of our needs, to look to Him. And I think that's important because how long do we look to Him? How many situations in our life do we look to Him last? It's like the elders, right? They came to the pastor and said, what are we going to do about the budget, pastor? What are we going to do about these members that are leaving? What are we going to do about the music? The pastor's like, oh, man, there are some major problems. I think we should pray. And the elders go, oh, no, has it come to that? You know, like, like prayer's the last. Oh, you got it. Good, good. You know, like it's the last thing on our minds. And they're freaking out because they can't control it themselves. And they finally have to submit, bow their knee, fall on their knees, whatever, to Christ, to, to God who might possibly just answer. God says, I want you to look at me first. I want you to look to me first. In verse 7, it says, will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, no, he will see that they get justice and justice quickly. See, the reality is that we look, I think, so often to our friends and our families and, and everybody else under the sun before we look to God. And in Psalm 105, it says this, look to the Lord first, go to him for help. And that's what persistent praying does. It's, it's what it helps us do. Look to the God of the universe. Look to the God who can actually solve our problems. Look to something besides ourselves. And God often delays until we do just that. See, God is a, a loving Father, and you have to understand that when you pray. Because sometimes He'll say no because He wants to protect us. And sometimes He says wait because we're not ready. But we have a loving Father, and sometimes we'll just delay until we get our eyes back on Him. See, persistent praying also, though, it clarifies our request. See, a delayed answer a lot of times is just to give us time to clarify what it is that we really are asking, what we really want. I say that because I think most of our prayers are a little bit too vague, right? Lord, I pray, just give me some things. Well, how do you know if you have answers? What is the thing that you're talking about? Or, or, Lord, bless my life. But did you know that problems are sometimes a blessing? So is that what you're praying? Lord, give me lots of problems in my life. Bless my... No, no don't pray that, please. Don't pray that at all. He wants you to be specific. And, and so don't be general. Don't be vague. He gives us time because time is what we need to clarify what it is that we're really asking for, what we really desire. And waiting helps us refine that prayer. So we need to ask ourselves, what is it that we're really asking God, the God of the universe, to do for us? And so often it's a test from God. He wants to see how badly we really want it. And, and here's the thing. If you don't want it a little bit more than praying for it just once or twice, it probably wasn't that big a deal to begin with. And then I'll ask you this to analyze your prayer life and ask him how many times or how many prayers that are on your prayer list do you actually pray more than once or twice or three times? I think to our shame, it's not very many. I think what happens is we pray and then we pray again and then God has an answer. We kind of go, I guess he said no. Or I guess I'll just move on and, and figure it out myself because God doesn't want to help. Or I just, we just give up too early. And to be honest, if we only asked for something twice, it probably wasn't that big a deal to begin with. Reason being, in two days, we've already moved on from that request and are focusing on something else. In Zechariah 13, 9, it says, I will test them. As gold is tested, and, they, and, then, and then they will pray, and I will answer them. So he's just saying that time separates deep longings from mere whims. So ask yourself, is this an earnest desire that I'm asking God, or is it just a passing fad? Because I'll pray for things, and sometimes God delays it, right? And what I realized in the interim is that I didn't really want it anyway. I wanted something else. 
See, Christians are a lot like tea bags. You don't know what's in them until you plop them in hot water and then you get to see, right, what they're really like. So sometimes God delays us being put in the hot water, that time of waiting to test you, to see how patient you'll be, to see if you'll still trust him, to see what you really like, to see if you really wanted it. Because it's not like he doesn't want to give it to you. Again, you've got to have a picture when you're praying. He's a loving father. His desire is to bless you in this life. He just wants to know that you really want it. Do you want it enough to keep on praying? I think many times there's a delay and you'll find that you modify your prayers as it goes along. That you'll change it, that it brings clarity to them. And that's an amazing thing. In Jeremiah 29, 13, he puts this in perspective when he says, You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. He's just saying that nothing worthwhile is ever accomplished through half-hearted prayers. And if you're just praying for it once or twice, how hearted was it? I don't know if that's a word, but I'm going to use it, right? I mean, how much did you care? He says, seek me with all your heart. He wants to know if you're really invested in it, if you really want it. And persistent praying not only then helps me focus on God, it also clarifies for me my requests. And the persistent praying also prepares me for the answer, which I think is huge. The reality is that God usually wants to do more than we're praying for. That's what he shares all the way through Scripture. He wants to do it bigger. He wants to do it greater. We limit him so much by who we think he is. In Ephesians 3.20, it says this, Now glory be to God, who by his mighty power is at work within us, and is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. He's just saying, I want to do it bigger sometimes. And sometimes I think we ask for a small blessing because we're just like, if we could get any help, Lord, on this, that would be great. We don't want to pray for the big things because we're not sure he'll come through. So we pray for the small things because that's the box that we put him in. And say, and so, we, so God, you know, when we pray these small things, he ends up denying it. Why? Because he wanted to do something bigger, something greater. And because of that, I'm incredibly thankful for some of the prayers in my life that he's left unanswered. Because when he finally did answer, it was far greater and far more amazing than anything I could have believed. You know, people say that prayer changes things. And it does. Prayer is an amazing power. Not only does it change things, it changes us. You see, God is way more interested in us than I think we give him credit for. He's way more interested in us than he is the circumstance in our life. And he wants sometimes just to make changes in our life. And sometimes he delays those answers because he needs to make changes in you. And often as soon as we make those changes in our life that we know God's calling us to make, all of a sudden he opens up the storehouses of heaven and he answers. See, prayer is not a tug of war. And sometimes I think we think that, you know, we just got to wrestle them down to the ground like this judge. But it's a struggle mainly with us. God getting us to the right place. God providing enough time to, to mature us, to grow us. You know, my little, my 11-year-old asked me the other day, she goes, I want to drive. I said, no, you can't drive. She goes, I want to drive the car. I said, well, you can't drive the car. She goes, I want to drive the car. I said, you're not, you're not 16 yet. It takes five more years. She goes, why do I have to wait? Because it's the law. Because it's my car. So you have to wait. You know? and, and so she kept going back and forth. And I said, hey, look, for some reason, they want you to be able to touch the gas pedals when you drive the car, right? And they want you to be able to see out the back and everything. And it's just a safety thing. When you're ready, when you grow, when you're to that place, I'll let you drive. And she said, okay, you know, and, and I said, absolutely. When you get to that point, I will absolutely give you the keys to your grandfather's car. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> I read about a, a missionary the other day, and just to kind of talk about the same thing. And he was praying for this, this, this area that he was in for eight years. And he just said, God, bring somebody to Christ in my area. Just 
just give me one. I'll take one, just anybody. Just help me get a foothold in this community for Jesus Christ and then take it from there. For eight years, he prayed to nobody. And then one day on the 11th year, the whole village committed their lives to Christ. And on one day, he, he baptized over 12,000 people. And as he was recounting the story, he said, you know, I wasn't ready for something like that. There's no way I could have handled it. There's no way I would have known what to do. God had to prepare me, and he had to prepare them. And then when he answered, he did it in a way that was far greater than anything I could imagine. And then finally, he says, persistent praying strengthens our faith. See, prayer goes hand in hand with faith, because faith is like a muscle. It has to be stretched. And you know what? If you've ever been there, that nothing stretches that faith muscle like having to wait. You know, we live in an, an instant society, a microwave society. We want everything now. <laughs> so I, I feel very confident when I see nothing stretches the faith muscle like waiting. Because we hate to wait. And God asks us in that interim that we pray and that we keep on praying. And that faith-building exercise that God has us on is that persistent prayer that He calls us to do to continue to go to Him even when it's hard, even when we're not seeing the answer come. Because waiting tests our faith. It's really a mark of maturity on how long you can wait. In fact, in Galatians 6, 9, it says this, and I love this verse. It says, let us not become weary in doing good. Because sometimes we do, don't we? Sometimes we just want to give up. Sometimes it's just too hard. Sometimes we don't want to keep hoping because it's just too hard to keep hoping in the face of just the adversity or the difficulty or whatever it is. And yet Paul says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. He's just saying, hang on, be patient. The harvest is coming. Don't give up. Look up. Why? Because God's timing is perfect. And God's delays are not his denials. Because they focus you on God. Because they clarify your vision. Because there's, they're there to prepare you for what's coming. Some of us need that preparation. And the longer you wait, so often the greater the miracle they're there to strengthen and test and challenge and develop our faith. And so Jesus concludes in this way. He says this, I tell you, quickly they will see justice. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I always thought that was a curious way to end this story. It was a funny story. This woman wore him down. And yet Jesus kind of finishes the story with something heavy. Will he find faith on the earth? And he says that because ultimately this story is not about persistent praying. It's about faith. It's about having faith in difficult times. And he says it's important because the size of your prayers determine the size of your God. And so I'll ask you this morning, do you have a big God or a little God? If you're not sure, just look at your prayers and they'll tell you. Ask yourself, what are you praying for? Is it something tiny? Is it something you could accomplish on your own power? Or is it something more? See, if you have a big God, you've got big prayer requests. And my encouragement to you this morning is simply this. Do not limit who your Jesus can be for you. He rose from the dead to give you victory over so many things. Forgiveness of sins. He gives us victory over sin, the death and the devil, so we can go to heaven. But he also has this most amazing power that he wants to be able to help us as we walk through this life. Don't limit who God can be for you. For not only does he remind us that we are loved and forgiven by an amazing God, but he also reminds us of this amazing truth. That God sees and he knows what you're going through. And he struggles with you as you struggle and he hurts when you hurt. He cares about your life. And because of Jesus, he wants to help. Because of Jesus, we have a God that wants to answer our prayers. And all God's people said...
Amen.